Welcome to Power Suits and Pillow Talk, where professional success meets personal liberation. I'm Jen Koken, and alongside me is the extraordinary Lori Handlers. In each episode, we journey into the duality of modern women who want to conquer corporate barriers by day and dispel bedroom myths by night. We celebrate these powerhouse women, the ones who are redefining success professionally and personally. Join us for an exciting exploration into empowerment, breaking boundaries, and unabashedly embracing all facets of womanhood. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to our amazing podcast. I'm here, Jen Koken, with my co-host, Laurie Handlers, and a very, very special guest who I've never met before, but I get the honor of introducing her. Her name, do you, what are your pronouns, Ariel? Is it <laughs> her and hers and she, or do you go by something else? Yeah, we can go with that. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I definitely should ask that question. So our guest today is Ariel Brown. She's Ariel. What is it? Ariel. Ariel Brown, like I said. <laughs> Our guest today is Arielle Brown, and she's a guide, facilitator, and ceremonialist. I love this. Specializing in tantric leadership, energetic alignment, and authentic embodiment. Her one-on-one client work and group containers address increasing needs for evolutionary approaches to love, sexuality, leadership, and community that facilitate power with models of relating rooted in remembering our innocence, wholeness, and inner connection to the sacred. Wow. I feel like I want to say it one more time. That was that was cool. It'll be in the show notes, but that's amazing. I love that you said evolutionary approaches instead of revolutionary, because then we're evolving instead of fighting against something. That's what stood out to me. This is beautiful. I'm so happy to have you here. Mm, I feel it's really wonderful to be here. Great. Me too. So let's start out. We have to tell some people what some of that stuff means. And before we start the show, I was saying to you that I, I, I feel that you have a unique approach on relating, having to do with something that has to do with surrender, because the, the listeners of this show are by and large powerful women who are who don't know what to do with themselves once they leave uh, their offices and uh, maybe don't even have a clue about how to be related to. I'm not even going to say how to be in a relationship. I'm just going to say they don't have a sense necessarily about how to be related to because they spend a lot of the day in their masculine polarity. And so... Let's just start there. I think you've got something on this that's very unique and very, very raw and beautiful. Mm, thank you, love. Um, well, you know, it makes me think of Jen a bit about what you said around making the distinction between evolutionary approaches versus revolutionary approaches. And this idea of looking at, you know, a lot of a lot of my work and interest has to do in our relationship with power. And what is authentic power versus what is force, which is really just a model of um, outdated models of power rooted in domination control. So what you're bringing forward 
Laurie, around surrender is this question of what does it look like to embody power in a way that allows us to be receptive Mm. to the world around us? Because the definitions of power we see, which to me are distorted expressions of masculine power that haven't integrated the, the wisdom of the feminine is power means to overpower. Power means to push out and not really be aware of the impact of the whole. And if we want to get into, you know, the the leaders and the CEOs in the world, what is the impact of that type of power over leadership? We also get to bring it back to the interrelational and the intrarelational of what does it look like to be a powerful woman who's been taught that we need to be a man to be powerful. But when it comes to actually allowing ourselves to be receptive to the intimacy and the nourishment and the pleasure that we long for, it actually requires vulnerability. It actually requires receptivity it actually requires us learning how to let go of control with the key being not abandoning ourselves in the process Mm. and that to me is the sweet spot that i love being in the tantra of (laughs) 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 because i was thinking as we were juxtaposing can I say juxtapose? <laughs> You're so laughing, Lori. I am. <laughs> that was a three-bell dinner. Thank you very much. <laughs> if, we're, if we're placing this word power and surrender together, I think that definition or experience you gave of overpowering and pushing out is so prevalent. And I also feel like people think surrender is a bad word because they think that's a giving up of something. That's a giving up in um, war. To themselves. What's that, Lori? In war, they wave the white flag and surrender. Right. Or, or it's yeah, you're giving up something personal that you don't want to give up when we're talking surrender. But I don't hear you. I don't hear you using that word, or I doubt if that's what that means to you. So let's no. say what surrender. What you when you think what is that? Yeah. Um... You know, I have this quote that I use often of the difference between surrender and self-abandonment is our ability to stay present in the body. <laughs> so, and, so, so this is this is so important, like in in my work and in my world right now, uh, the world is so trauma informed that people know a lot about it. They may not have resolved all their traumas, but what this means to me, what you say, is self-responsibility to get the traumas worked out by any means necessary in order to interface with people and not abandon, not dissociate, not fly away, but actually be present to what it is they've longed for, they signed up for, they want, whatever. And 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 it's a tall order. <laughs> it's a tall order and it's a mastery path because it, it requires, like the uh, being able to hold paradox is the root of, of all the work that I facilitate. Mm-hmm. Like a paradox that you're bringing up right here is, 
yes, the deep need to take personal responsibility for our experience. And how do we do that without um, villainizing or shaming ourselves for the places where we have been victimized in the past? Um, so how do we hold compassion for the fact in the past that we had experience where perhaps protection mechanisms and bracing having power over has been the way that we learn to create safety for ourselves because we didn't have a model for anything different. And we get to this place where we're actually seeing what used to help us is now actually hindering us from the nuance of what it means to be fully and deeply alive. Mm. And there's something very tender in there. And there's this thing of, yes, self-responsibility, but self-responsibility does not mean self-flagellation or self-punishment because mm. that actually actually keeps it locked in. So it's this invitation of what does it look like to hold the places where we carry trauma in our body in a way that we're compassionate to the degree that we don't keep reinforcing the trauma, um, but we're self-responsible enough and that we don't utilize it as an excuse to keep the trauma there. Yeah. Ding. Hashtag go. ding. That's Hashtag so good. Ding. I, you know, as you were both sharing, I was reflecting on the work that I do with leaders and corporate and a lot of it is self-responsibility. I call it responsibility, meaning your ability to respond to some thing that's coming at you in a way that's conscious and choiceful, but that all starts with being present in the moment. And when we haven't worked out our own trauma in our body, we do turn that outward. It's not just self-flagellation, but as a leader, I could be flagellating somebody on my team because I'm not present and choiceful in the moment. And I think that goes back to how freaking busy people are, where we just keep ourselves busy all the time, especially at work when it comes to corporate America, producing results, producing results, producing results. And recently I was reading an article um, in Harvard Business Review called The Leadership Odyssey, and it talked about and did a survey of all these CEOs that were coming in, you know, rising up through the ranks and leaving. And the most interesting thing, which you all would appreciate, and I wasn't surprised, but a lot of people seem to be, that what made the biggest difference was people skills, what they call soft skills, communication, collaboration, presence, authenticity, vulnerability. That's the distinction between a good CEO and a great CEO. And everybody that elevates to the level of, I would say, manager or above or CEO has got to learn those pieces. However, it all starts from within. Change starts within, right? So this is what I love about this conversation mm -hmm. is we've got to start with ourselves. Have to, have to. It's and so, it's, it's right at the pinnacle of everything, of right, of, or the crossroads, maybe, of where I am in my career right now, where I am in my personal career with the things that I do my own self and my and my involvement with this stuff. Like it's right, it's like right here, right on the tip of everybody's tongue. Like, what does personal responsibility mean anyway? It's it's agreement number seven. I agree to take full responsibility for the nature of my experience. What the hell is that? 
<laughs> it's it's it can be a landmine of tripwires mm. talking about it in all honesty in in the world of wounding around gender in the world of wounding around sexuality in the land in the land of wounding around race mm. when there has been so much victimization and persecution and a lack of real awareness of how to take genuine responsibility for the actions upon the other. And there's so many, it becomes nearly impossible to speak about this without the potential voice coming in of like, but what about this? But what about this? How can you say that when you're not including this piece? And it's, yeah. It's so, it's so nuanced and a conversation that's been coming up for me, which again is ripe with paradox, because if we don't bring deep compassion and attunement into these spaces where people are carrying trauma and we need to feel safe to release our trauma, like we need to feel that we're in a safe space so we can transform the pattern. And simultaneously, there's this, I'll call it a, a catering to fragility, which I feel can be dangerous. I yes. so agree. I so agree. And, oh my God, it's, there's a difference between victim blaming and holding people to account for their interpretations and then the spin that they get into it. I'm just going to use something that's it's not exactly related to, like the things you just enumerated, gender, race, something else. Um, sexuality. Sexuality, yeah. It's Those are loaded, clearly loaded. Bam, loaded, explosive. And I just was in a training where I saw one of my like dearest colleagues trip out one time, two times, because we were challenged um, with, we didn't have all the supplies we needed. We didn't have all the whatever. Like, I never worry about that stuff. Like, to me, I guess just because I've been at it for so long, you know, it's all going to work out. So what if we don't have enough, blah, 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 whatever it is, you know, we'll do something. Like I was in the middle of saying to people, and now we're passing around some coconut oil and next we'll be passing out some lube. Up, oh, scratch that. There is no lube. <laughs> I have to say that while people are like in a ritual laying down. Uh -huh. And I, I, nothing about that would like, get me out of my center like I'm just like I it pissed me off but I wasn't that doesn't traumatize me that doesn't move me rattle me and I watched my my darling colleague like sort of flip out and I just thought mm -hmm. there's some underlying power and control issues here that have to do with I don't know what maybe some trauma um I'd love and to go in here with you. This is this is super juicy. Yeah, and and I like ten seconds later this person was calm again and fine, you know, but I saw it flare. I saw the eyes. 
I saw the rigidness in the spine. I saw the whatever. And then she looked at me and said, okay, I'm back. And I was like, good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, so if that could happen just there in that, like what must it mean to somebody who feels marginalized, somebody who feels othered, so separate and othered and when and someone touches them or and they said yes like it was in their boundaries and then all of a sudden that button was like boom gone so go ahead dive in <laughs> yeah i mean they're so they're all i'll i'll go back to where i was but i mean yeah. to me it's key so the the work that I teach and facilitate is at is in the intersections of sexuality and leadership because my opinion is the places where we carry wounding or shame around who we are as sexual beings can wind up bring bringing performative or inauthentic aspects into leadership, which ultimately can be harmful on a multitude of ways. And I've gotten to a place where, for example, in I'm, I'm running a course around um, like restoring trust and safety between men and women called holy desire. And I've gotten to a place where all of my sexuality work needs to include race work as well. So I have a man coming in. His name is Aaron Johnson. He owns an organization called Holistic Resistance. And his work is like deeply focused on the impact of specifically black men being chronically undertouched in culture and how the impact of the black brute archetype mm. and also the impact of lynching <gasps> impacts sexuality as a whole. And this, this awareness of what, and this is a whole subject, so we won't go fully down this rabbit hole, but just to me, the next step of what if, the next step in leveling the playing field is just inviting everyone in to share responsibility of holding the same context together mm. of no, I can't understand your experience, but I'm willing to like understand and know like what happened and what feeds into this. So I can have compassion for the different layers of oppression that we're, we're working with so that you can feel me feeling you. And I, then, and to me, that's a lot of what the wounding seems to be, if, at least in the context of race is there's a fragility around a willingness to feel the impact of that, which we haven't experienced and haven't had to experience. And it's that lack of willingness to even feel the impact, which to me is what creates not inclusive and not safe spaces so that's a whole I thing I, I had chills i had chills when you were speaking i mean because i can think of a context for this right now and um and i'm so clear and i'm really pretty sure jen is too we're both so clear that this is so needed and necessary like this work is so needed and necessary like Thank you. <laughs> that's all I can say. To that is, thank you for putting words on something that's almost undefinable. Yeah. 
and I the the word that you used that truly caught my attention was the willingness the willingness to I don't know exactly how you say it but to hear share in your experience even though I haven't experienced that with no loss of power over where I am meaning I'm not you know crying I'm not feeling guilty not doing any of those things I'm just being with the impact and a willingness to be with the impact because I feel that when we're not willing to do that and I've done this too I remember at a training I was at in 2019 and we were in a group and something it was almost all uh, people of color I was I think there was two white participants I was the only white trainer in the room and I forgot what happened but it was something really impactful in the room and somebody asked a question and I answered it and I didn't see there was a woman to my left who was going to answer it didn't even think about it and later on she talked to me about it of course I burst out crying and I was like dang it and then afterwards I walked up to her and I said you did not need to feel or hear or receive my tears I just needed to hear what you had to say and I, you know I'm sorry and I, because when how do I say this like when there's emotion over where I am when I'm saying I'm gonna hold space for you to contribute your experience and really just hold space then the emotion that comes up for me is almost like fighting with you attempting to create the experience for yourself when I'm just willing willing to just sit and hear and hold space not like sit back because I almost sat back in my chair but willing to hold space no loss of power then you feel heard yeah so good mm. whoa so it's like so we opened up a can of worms here it feels like because I you know it's like it's not just about empowered women knowing how to be who to be where how to be met you're opening up all the <laughs> you know like all the subjects that are related um and all the groups that are related and, and women are half of those groups as well even if they weren't uh born in with a vagina you know what i mean like it's it's like all of it yeah i mean to me that this conversation extends beyond gender and that you know based upon the body you were born to and what your social conditioning is it does have impact but what we're really talking about and to me tantric leadership the way i define tantric leadership is when there's an equal integration of masculine and feminine polarity mm -hmm. in the way that we're leading and we can apply this to being a leader in an organization or a community or simply a leader being a person who lives on this planet who's doing the work of learning how to live with a truly open connected heart which actually takes an immense amount of devotion and courage. And where this guides the thread back to is the way, the reason I'm, I'm so interested in leadership and power is because the leaders are the ones who are setting the blueprints for what culture is gonna look like. And it's not so much about the words you speak, but the way that you embody yourself and hold yourself in the moments between what you say. and there's this piece here around where leadership or power and the image associated with that of like what does looking powerful 
look like? Well, I almost said, oh, it's, I'm in control. And there's actually, to me, this conditioning around, like, this, the idea of being fallible or culpable to something as a leader and how much resistance or fear there is to the idea of having done something that in retrospect potentially was not the best thing to do. And again, we can, this is leaders in the world, this is leaders as a human being, looking at where we choose, we would prefer to be right as opposed to being connected. And I've gotten to a place where I realize I can't require anyone to do anything and that, you know, my energy is really precious to me and I'm not going to burn energy trying to convince people to be a certain way because the way I'm doing it isn't right. It's just what feels true and aligned to me. And when we're talking about leaders, when we're talking about people who are actually saying like, hey, I actually desire to be seen and show up as a person who is guiding others. I do hold a higher standard and expectation that you are actually learning how to be powerful without being impenetrable. Ooh. Because if power means that you are unreceptive to the world around you, you're not a connected leader, you're not an attuned leader, and you're not a trustworthy leader. Mm. That's a lot. It's a big mouthful. And it's really like, yeah, I'm completely in alignment. I'm completely in alignment with that. And, but, and we've had, we've had those distortions. Like I always look at like the distortion of the masculine and think to myself, you know, sometimes I ask people, who do you think is dark masculine? Who do you think is an example of dark masculine, like healthy dark masculine in the world? And if people say, you know, Trump, I go, you know, and I'm, it's, this isn't for or against Trump. It's just like, I go, no, 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 no. That's kind of a distortion. Yeah. What is healthy, dark masculine? I'm curious what your definition of healthy, dark masculine is. To me, healthy, dark masculine is like the epitome of Shiva, the destroyer, just mm -hmm. like Kali, the destroyer. I was about to say Kali. Yeah. Like, but Kali is the dark feminine. So it's the dark masculine that is willing to take out their sword and hold it before you and say, you know, I've got your back, brother, and it hurts, and I'm willing to cut you with this sword if you keep acting out or keep whatever. I'm not going to, I'm purposely not trying to hurt you. I'm going to talk to you about it, but I have a sword in my spine, and it's out now. I've had to, I literally have had to pull my sword out a couple of times in my career with facilitators who, didn't keep the agreements, the agreement field. And I've had to go, you know, my sword is out now. What shall we do? Do you want your Good. head you want your head chopped off? Do you want me to send you home? Do you want public embarrassment? what do you what? What will fix this right now? So to me the healthy masculine in the in the dark is to is one unafraid to defend the principles, the children, speak the truth, confront rather than silently uh, put up with uh, whatever 
you know, the shit is that someone's dishing out on that day or whatever it is. And by the same token, the dark feminine is someone who would bite your head off and say, you know, like, I love you. I've always I've said for a long time, if you're my friend, I reserve the right to fight you for you. Yep. I will fight you to get more you and to have some inauthenticity ruling something. And so to me, that's the dark feminine. Um, caring, loving fiercely, loving fiercely. Yeah, well, I think that's important what you just brought in because healthy, dark masculine, healthy, dark feminine to me is connected to our hearts. It is yes. heartfelt and that heart felt feltness. I feel like I'm making up words to this entire thing is because it's attuned with our values because we know who we are. Mm. You Rather, know, go ahead. Oh, no, please complete. I thought you were done. I think I am. Okay. <laughs> well, Lori, it, you know, it makes me think about something you said earlier in the call around, you You know, you're saying like, I've been around for so long. It's just like, I, I don't sweat the small stuff. And that the piece that I wanted to lead back to is there's uh, making this distinction between embodied leadership versus performative leadership. Mm. And to me, performative leadership is tends to occur when there's like this overcompensation in the external looking a certain way because of the places where we haven't fully dropped into that deeper embodied trust of like who I am is the thing. It, it's it's not a performance. It's just like a who I am is the thing. And there's something here around being able to trust ourselves very deeply in that way in order to let go of control in the way that is necessary to embody the authentic dark feminine and dark masculine. Mm -hmm. And part of my, you know, it's funny, like I really, I noticed the places where I experience friction or rub because I find those places, my desire is to be smooth and not sticky mm. in relation to them because that's that's the purification process. And a place where I notice I still have some stick. And it's also the places where I also know are the, the leveling ups to fully embodying my own sword is the 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 frustration I see with people utilizing the naming of um, I'm embodying the healthy, dark masculine and the healthy, dark feminine, but it's not actually the thing. And it creates this situation where there's there's a distortion of the pure, true thing. And it makes it super interesting to navigate how do we discern who we trust in these spaces. And that's one of the things that I love about you, Lori. And again, like I haven't, I, you know, I, I have not sat in many of your spaces, but there's this thing that I inherently feel of like, I trust your embodiment and I trust your sword. And that doesn't mean that I'm putting you on a pedestal and expecting you to do it perfectly and that you're not human. But there's this challenge of we don't really 
see a lot of people in culture embodying that frequency in a healthy, integrated way. Um, and partially because there's so much villainization of it. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, there was something, oh, man, you said oh, everything. So you both, yeah, this conversation is amazing. But there was something you specifically said, Ariel, around the embodiment of the healthy masculine or feminine is not a resistance to self or a resistance to other. Nope, this is who I am. And I see you, but my sword is out because how you're coming across, occurring, what I'm perceiving right now is we are in danger in some way, shape, or form. Now, I'm also open to having a conversation because I'm not, you know, I think sometimes people talk about healthy, embodied, masculine, and feminine, like, oh, we're ready to fight somehow. That's healthy because that's with the dark. No, it's not. You stand your ground and you're open. I think this goes back to power and surrender. You stand your ground mm -hmm. and you're open. Yeah, I mean, there was a time in life where I used to bite people's heads off. I used to actually, when I was in my assertiveness days, I used to like, you know, walk into any situation and point out <laughs> to anyone, <laughs> you know, what was needed and necessary, what could be better, what, you know, feedback unasked for. I I have a you know I through the learning channels or whatever you know I stopped fighting every battle or you know wanting to die on that particular hill. Who cares if the maitre d doesn't have it right in the restaurant? You know what I mean? I'm just not going to go back there, or maybe I won't even stay. It's not my job to tell them, but if I'm involved with you and I and we're we love of each other and we also are colleagues and Jen can attest for this you know which is why we're back together again after all these years like we because if I'm in relationship with you I was I just reserve the right to to be myself and to call you forth to be more yourself who it is and how I know that it's not like I have the not like I'm right about it it's just like I I'm, yeah, I'm secure enough in myself to see who you are without needing you to be different or anything, just going like, yeah, you know, dude, mm. do you not mean that? <laughs> I, that I, I'm, I'm remembering a memory, Lori, of the place <laughs> that we did in Ista, the um, ranch in Tucson that we no longer go to, and we were yeah. having a pre-meeting. It was the, the ISTA with Lou, and we were all like, you know, she and I were giggling because we were like school, we were like, I don't know, schoolgirls that whole week. We just were feeding off each other and being goofy, and you were like, stop talking. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But not like a school, you're not like a school to school child. She, yeah. You know, stop talking. We're yeah. trying to get some shit done. Jen? Anyway, this is this is so rich. Ariel, I feel like we have just you know the surface. Yeah, we, we're like we're close to the end of this podcast and at the same time I feel like you've opened up the richest you know on like all the way around. Like like the panacea 
of what is actually possible. Yeah. Like that's really possibility right there in a like, whoa, that is a possibility conversation. And I I I'm thinking of places where I want to use that. But I don't want to have I'm not gonna bring the con I'll bring the conversation, but then I'm inviting you in. Like I can I'm a, just I'm a total yes. <laughs> like, She's like vibrating right now on the screen. She's like Yeah. I've had chills like so many times already just talking about this stuff. It's so rich. Well, really rich. like a tapestry of, of richness that needs to have attention. Absolutely. Arielle, you were about to say something, and I feel like we're going toward wrapping up. So I yeah. want to give you the last words, but also let people know like the best place to find out more about you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, the, the piece that I want to land with, and it feels like a good place to end is, um, or end and begin is our connection to the sacred. Mm. Some might call it source. Some might call it God. Some might call it spirit. Um, but to me, ultimately, this work, this devotional practice is about learning how to be in living connection with the pulse of truth. And not your truth, Laurie, not your truth, Jen, not my truth, Ariel, but this deeper thread of pulsing alive truth that is energy that when we get past the places where we're gripping for control, we can begin to access. And not only does it flow in through us, but it emanates out through us. And that's where, when we weave it back to the sexuality and the ability to surrender and open into bliss, and beauty, like the ability to let go of control so that source can flow through and how to feel when we're tapping into it and live in devotion to it. Um, those are the spaces that I'm interested in curating. And what does it look like when we have a group of people devoted to living in alignment with that space together so it's not just one leader at the front of the room but we trust the community enough in their devotion to that alignment that we can truly let go of control and hold the space together mm. that's evolutionary Fucking <laughs> that is <laughs> like oh wow this so is like good. a podcast I'm going to be going back to listen to over and over and over and over. Like, wait, there's that. Wait, there's that piece. Wait, there's that piece. And now I have in my head, too, Ariel, of like, oh, what would it look like to have you and me with a group of corporate leaders doing this work and doing, mm. it's like the future of corporate America not being suck-ass corporate America, in a sense. <laughs> I, <laughs> would even that? I would come back then to corporate America. Oh, I don't know if I ever will, but. <laughs> it was like that. It would be fun. Yeah. Anyway, this is wonderful. Thank you. I just want to thank you from, I don't know, it's, it's more than the bottom of my heart. It's like my whole being. I want to thank you for uh, your articulation, yeah. for your ability to take the known as it has been and re-envision it 
and be able to articulate it into something precious and brand new, like really, really so good, so unique. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. And thank you. I'm deeply grateful to be welcomed into the space with you both and share. Feels really wonderful. So good. So good. I know. What's, I mean, we'll have this in the show notes too, but what is the best place to find out more about you, classes, workshops, how do people, mm -hmm. I feel like people are going to be like, where do I find her? They don't already know where to find you. So where do people find you? Yeah. So simplest way, my website, www.arielbrown.com. Um, my one-on-one -on -one and group offerings tend to intersect in the realms of leadership, uh, sexuality and community. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at I am Ariel Brown and I'm on Facebook as well. And I'm sharing in both of those places pretty regularly. So you can pick your, pick your pleasure. And people go to your website. Do you have a mailing list that they could get on to get? Yes. Yes. If you, if you go to my website, there's currently a free gift. It's called the art of having what you want. And it's a four part video series that brings us into the underlying relationship with desire and how desire relates to power, how desire relates to self-trust, um, how desire relates to boundaries and the very unique relationship between desire and fear. It's a great place to enter in. Oh, such a great relationship there. That's a wrap on another inspiring episode of Power Suits and Pillow Talk. We hope that our conversations continue to enlighten and encourage you on your journey of self-discovery and empowerment. Remember, there aren't any limits to what you can achieve, be it in your career or your personal life. I'm Jen Koken, and my amazing co-host is Lori Handlers, reminding you to keep smashing those ceilings and debunking those taboos. Until next time, keep dominating the boardroom and owning and taking up space in the bedroom. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.